Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast, the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. So Aaron, we are doing something a little bit different today. We've done this once before, but we're kind of making it more official. What are we doing? This is a day in the life in rock and roll on one particular day, May 16th. Yeah, so we're going to look back at three stories from May 16th, and our Memphis to Merseyside moment is also going to be from the 16th of May. I can't wait. This is going to be a great trip, and I think we're going to be going all over the place. So you ready to buckle up and hit the road? I'm already buckled. All right, let's go. You know, Aaron, I kind of wish it was the middle of winter right now. I can't believe I'm saying that, but can you guess why I'm saying that? Uh, why? Well, because we're going to Los Angeles for our first, Uh. we're going to Los Angeles for our first part of the road trip. And if it was in the middle of winter, wouldn't it be awesome to go down to LA and be in some sunshine? I don't you think, don't, don't you mean, wouldn't it be nice? (laughs) Yes, that's a huge hint for people. But, uh, you know, we're just going from hot to hotter because it has been stinking hot here lately. Here too, yeah, here too. But uh, let's go back to L.A. on May the 16th, 1966. And this uh, has to rank as one of the most important album releases in history, wouldn't you say? A hundred and ten percent. Okay, let's go to Los Angeles, May 16th, 1966. We'll be right back. So, Tony, we're here in Los Angeles to celebrate, I guess, or acknowledge the release of a, of a, a landmark album by the, by the Beach Boys called Pet Sounds. And just a reminder, at this point, the Beach Boys were Brian Wilson, Carl Wilson, he played guitar and vocals, Mike Love, their cousin, vocals, Dennis Wilson, another Wilson brother, was on drums, but it also featured Bruce Johnson and Al Jardine on vocals. But this album... This album is a landmark LP. Would you not agree? Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's right up there, right? And, and in some polls, it's been marked ahead of Sgt. Pepper, and, and in other polls, it's number two. And of course, we're talking about Pet Sounds, which, what an unbelievable accomplishment. Well, and McCartney has always said that uh, it was a major... See, the Beatles and the Beach Boys had this thing going on, right? They wanted to top each other, so... The Beach Boys really wanted to top Rubber Soul, which they did with with, uh, Pet Sounds in some people's minds. Now, the Beatles had already finished, or just about finished, Revolver, but they knew they had to top Pet Sounds, and that's where Pepper comes in. And um, Paul McCartney later credited Pet Sounds as an influence on the melodic bass uh, playing style. And there's a song on Pet Sounds, and I love this song, called God Only Knows, and McCartney calls it the greatest song ever written. Well, you know what? God Only Knows is a, is a fantastic song. But uh, you could almost say, right, I mean, even though it is technically a Beach Boys album, I mean, it's got Brian Wilson's fingerprints through and through. It's almost like a Brian Wilson solo album, really, wouldn't you say? Well, it's funny you say that because it really is. And in fact, the first single that came off the album, um, Caroline No, was actually credited to Brian Wilson, not even the Beach Boys. 
Oh, there you go. I'm going to ring the bell, Aaron, because that is uh, something new. So we'll we'll throw the bell in right there. Do you have the album? Uh, I don't have the album, but I love the album. I have listened to it many times. Okay, do you have do you, do you have a favorite song off it or? Well, I think I, I absolutely love "God Only Knows." That that melody is just so uh, catchy and and great to sing too. It is, yeah. I, I I and there's been so many interesting cover versions. David Bowie covered it on his Tonight album, and it's a very interesting, very interesting cover. I uh, I love the song. I also like their, I guess, arrangement of. Um, I guess it's Brian Wilson's arrangement, really, for Sloop John B. Yeah, yeah, that is a fantastic arrangement as well. Um, and, you know, some players who are on the guitar, Glenn Campbell was involved with the album. And Doris Day's son, I was just reading your notes, I love that, uh, Terry Melcher. So there's a little Doris Day connection there. Well, and there's a Charlie Manson connection, because Terry Melcher was the intended victim for the Sharon Tate murders. When Manson hit that mansion. They thought Terry Melcher was staying there. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, it's unfortunate for everybody. But yeah, it's a it's a, Terry Melcher was a, a incredible record producer. Produced his mom actually, which was beautiful. But uh, yeah, there's uh, well, the Wrecking Crew really play with the Beach Boys on the album. Which which again, you to your point, you said it's more of a solo album. It really was. I mean, uh, it was written entirely by Brian Wilson, and some lyrics were written by Tony Asher. Um. It's and he, you know, you know the story, right? Brian Wilson thought, "I'm not going to tour with the band. I'll stay back, put the albums together. The band can go and tour." Yeah, <laughs> that didn't last long because Brian didn't last long, unfortunately. But no, um, no, he ended up spending what was it a year in his bedroom? Was it a year or two years? I'm oh, trying to remember. A decade, I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a long time, uh, regardless, for sure. But, uh, you know, when you were mentioning that Charlie Manson connection, you could almost do a whole show about the connection between uh, Charles Manson and the Beach Boys. Uh, I remember watching a documentary about that, and it's like, wow. You know, you're 100% right. And it's a, it's a dark, dark story. But have you now, I'm just going to go on. I'm going to digress for a second. Have you ever heard Charlie Manson's one and only album called uh, Lie? I have actually, yeah. <laughs> what was okay? He's he's gone, so you can say what you want. What did you think of it? Well, I didn't think much of it to be honest, but <laughs> I I don't know whether to. It's also hard. Don't. It's hard to separate the man from the music too, right? Because it's Charles Manson. Yeah, but it's pretty bad music. Well, it is bad music, but you know the fact that it's Charles Manson. Yeah, makes it even worse, right? So. So Pet Sounds, back to Pet Sounds, uh, it, you know, it's been one of those albums that you said is always in the top 10 of best albums of all time. Interestingly, though, Tony, it didn't do that great on the show. Well, let me rephrase that. It didn't do as well as you would expect it to have done. No, I was shocked when I saw where it charted in the U.S., right? What did it make it to number 10? <laughs> so because it's not funny. I don't know why I laughed. But number one was the Beatles yesterday and today. And Brian Wilson wanted to best the Beatles. And I thought it was amusing that um, a compilation album of some older Beatle tracks was at number one, while the Beach Boys classic album peaked at 10. But they but they couldn't knock Sound of Music out of number one in the UK either. Yeah, it's, uh, that is astounding, though, isn't it? That Pet Sounds never hit number one. That, that is wild. Well, it, 
it's just show it well neither did ziggy stardust or yeah that's true so many classic albums but um uh, yeah. i just i just find that fun and you know the story about the, the album after pet sounds was going to be called vegetables <laughs> <laughs> no i'm serious <laughs> i swear and um unfortunately brian snapped during the recording after hearing pepper and he never finished it. Finally, no, it wasn't called Vegetables. The song on the album was called Vegetables. The album was called Smiley Smile. Or okay. Smile. Smile. The song Vegetables, however, features Paul McCartney chewing celery in rhythm. I think I remember reading about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I got the titles wrong. Vegetables was the song. Smile was the album. Smile was never completed. It came out in the 2000s, kind of a sewn together Frankenstein's monster version of an album. But he just never finished it. And it's too bad because it has good vibrations on it, which is my favorite Beach Boy song of all time. You know, though, how do you... I, like, I would love to have been back there when um, Sergeant Pepper came out and just to see the reaction in person of other bands, you know, because the Beatles threw down the gauntlet, right? All right, here yeah, you they go. Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah top this <laughs> well yeah and uh you know you and i have both talked about how we think the uh the latest rolling stone the updated uh, greatest albums of all time is a little misguided because i think pepper still belongs at number one but um well, i'm with you you know uh, but I, what an album i i still love that clip i don't know if you've ever seen it and the, the beatles are recording pepper and they hadn't put anything out and strawberry fields had peaked at number two and the interviewer says, well, a lot of people say you guys are no longer as popular as you once were. And McCarty goes, just wait. Just yeah, wait. yeah. <laughs> Two words, just wait. You'll see. Now, we I gotcha. am guessing, I'm looking at your charts, you had picked the top five UK albums. And for sure, yeah. we know that the Beatles are going to be on there. But who else was on there? Well, the Beatles are actually at number five with an album at that point that had was pretty old. I mean, old in month standards called rubber soul which oh. had come out late 65 i love that album i love that album too just great number four is the most of the animals which is like a compilation album greatest hits number three is someone i grew up with because my mom loved his music montavani okay <laughs> and montavani magic it is magic <laughs> number two <laughs> i'm so sick of saying this album title because it's been on the charts in england for like five years yeah we've the been, sound uh, of music yeah this has come up uh, quite a bit in the last few episodes hasn't it <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps it keeps rearing its head and number one uh was an album called aftermath by the rolling stones and a, a quick funny story when the beatles were trying to find a title for Re revolver John sarcastically said, well, why don't we call it After Geography? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's but a good I also, one. It's just stuck with that. I remember, so the, but I just want to say that the EP chart was interesting because the number five on the EPs was the Beach Boys hits, which would have been four UK hits with the Beach Boys. But number one, which this is just blows me away, Yesterday EP. Yesterday was never issued as a single in the UK. And when that EP was at number one in 66, it had been number one for over a year wow. in, on the EP charts. So there you go. Well, and Yesterday is the most covered song in history, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's the most played song on radio, isn't it? It must be. You still hear it all the time. Yeah. You do. You do. I can't think of a good version. Uh, uh, Ray Charles did a good version of it, and so did Aretha Franklin. 
Yes, I love well, Aretha's version of that song. And Elvis. Elvis did an okay version of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think we should head to the uh, next stage of our journey. We're going to May 16th, 1990. And we're going to be talking about a guy who had... He wasn't a rock musician himself, but he certainly had a lot to do with rock musicians. So let's uh, head to May 16th, 1990, and we will be right back. So we are uh, in New York City, and it is May the 16th, 1990. And what a huge loss. And, And I'm, you know, I just realized he was my age. He's 53. So this is uh, the death of Jim Henson, the creator of the Muppets. Now, why would anybody in the rock and roll world care about Jim Henson, you ask? Well, Aaron, why don't you tell us? Well, you know, first of all, you know, Tony, 53 is so young, isn't it? It but, is. Um, so the Muppets show, which debuted in 1976, uh, yeah, 76, he... Henson went for something different. He he kind of saw children differently, which is explained Sesame Street and, and the whole thing. And by the way, um, when we go to New York, and we will, I want to take you to a museum in Queens called the Museum of Moving Images, where they have every Muppet, the originals, from pre-Sesame Street right up into the Muppet Show. Oh, wow. It's very cool. But uh, the Muppet Show, you may remember, you would have been just a little guy yeah um, I, I remember it very very well did you watch it all the time uh, religiously yep it was you and 120 million others i think and i was but, also a religious uh, sesame street watcher too as a very young kid so were you yeah loved that show see i was four when it came on in 69 and so i was already in kindergarten and in the summer my we, we usually spent at our cottage we used to have a cottage we don't have it anymore where there was no TV, so I actually missed Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, I, I just, you know, I've got, you know, five or six Sesame Street songs just floating around in my head right now. They were just uh, such great songs. Oh, yeah, they were great. Well, and that's what he took to The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. He brought music to The Muppet Show, but he went one step further. He brought in rock stars and country stars and jazz stars. He just, I mean, every week there was someone, you just, you tuned in to see the the guests. And I mean... Let's start off with Elton John. Well, that's right. I was just going to say, these weren't B-listers, folks. These were people on the A-list. Yeah, Elton John, he he was on there. And what did he do on the show, Tony? He did, well, uh, Crocodile Rock, of course, and uh, Don't Go Breaking My Heart, but the duet was with Miss Piggy. Do you remember that one? <laughs> you know I do, and I actually found it on YouTube. It's very funny, actually. Um, Elton's all dud- duded up, you know what I mean, with his duds and all oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That must have been so much fun for these guys to go on that show, eh? Oh, it had to have been, because like, Alice Cooper doing Welcome to My Nightmare. Yeah, oh, that's a great sketch, yeah. It was brilliant, you know? Uh, and these folk, folks, this is the real Alice Cooper in person. I mean, they, they had Paul Simon doing Scarborough Fair. Um, who else, Tony? Oh, they got Johnny Cash, Prince, <laughs> yeah. of all people. Yeah. I, I still can't believe that Prince agreed to go on The Muppet Show, to be honest. Well, we're going to be talking about Prince in a minute. And <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I remember watching that. That was during the reboot of The Muppets, which was in the 90s. And I thought, 
wow, Prince is definitely trying to change his image. Oh, yeah. And they had some jazz guys on there. You had Dizzy Gillespie on there. Uh, mm-hmm. And Buddy Rich, the, uh, you know, remember, because Buddy Rich always billed himself as the world's fastest drummer. And uh, there was the uh, drum battle between him and Animal. Okay, that's, it, 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 do you remember that? Because yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> First of all, did Animal ever remind you of Keith Moon? Oh, totally, totally. The facial right? expressions and everything. <laughs> the, uh, the way he would kind of leer over the drum kit. I mean, it was it was Keith Moon, right? Yeah. I, I love that. That that was such a funny skit with uh with and and you got to give these guys credit like Buddy Rich to do that right I mean because he was a pretty well you're a jazz guy so he's a fairly serious jazz guy is he well not? he was a, a very serious uh, jazz guy and he also had the reputation as being a bit of an ass right so did he really uh, oh yeah yeah and uh, I didn't know that yeah and he liked to uh, belittle other musicians and uh, that's why I was shocked. Uh, when he went on that show <laughs> can you imagine him belittling kermit the frog how yeah. sad would that be <laughs> that's, that's that's just damn heartbreaking if you ask yeah. me but um, well like there are those buddy rich tapes right where he's just oh, tearing a strip off his band Do you remember <laughs> you told, yeah 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 i ever totally forgot about that that's well, like true, jerry seinfeld yeah. always says you know that's the the funniest thing ever you can't even make that stuff up he says that is just comedy gold right oh it is comedy gold i totally forgot that now did you remind me of like, oh yeah of course he was really not he was out of sorts that day oh yeah so you know musicians all the time we joke about it right i'm gonna go buddy rich on you here in a second <laughs> 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 I could have done that at work this week several times, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure when you were getting the closing of your new house, you could have gone Buddy Rich on oh, a few yeah, people well, too. We won't even go there. What a I know. I know. Like, uh, <laughs> one thing after another. Well, yeah, you knew because I kept you kept you up to date yeah. with the uh, running so total of you. everything that was going wrong that day. Yep. Oh man, I was just my heart was going out to you and Cynthia, but you got it, and you've started moving in, right? Yeah. We, well, yeah, and actually, Cynthia and I uh, are in the new house officially as of last night so uh but right now i'm actually recording in our virtual van from our old house because we have internet here we don't have internet at the new place yet so not yet not yet not yet and i can't wait to come up to perth this summer you know that i already invited you so i know i'm just teasing yeah um do you know the other thing is, and I didn't put it in my notes, but but John Denver's forever associated with the Muppet. I mean, I think he was like a human Muppet. But, yes, um, yes. The, the Christmas album, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. And he was on the show numerous times, too. Numerous times, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the Grandma Feather Bed skit with all the chickens and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Oh, by the way, that is one of my favorite John Denver songs. Grandma's Feather Bed? Oh, yeah. It is the yeah, funniest wow. song. I like it. The lyrics are fantastic in that. I'm going to say something here that may be controversial, but I think he's one of the most underrated artists of all time. Oh, I, I 100% agree. I told you that I saw him live, eh? You did. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. must have been great live. Oh, it was a fantastic show. His band was, was terrific, too. Hey, but he must have been engaging with the audience and stuff. Oh, yeah. He was he was really good. And he played a, a really nice variety of stuff, too. Yeah, that was a great show. I love John Denver. I do too, and I, I I think it's sad that people. I don't know. He seems to be more of a joke. Over, and mind you, when I listen to radio in Europe and Ireland, he's still very much loved. But uh, over here, you don't hear him on the radio very much. But you know, to your point, it's very true that he is associated with the Muppet Show, and 
I mean, the Muppet Show has been used in pop culture in uh, Rocky too. Rocky Balboa makes an appearance on the Muppet Show. I don't know if you remember that or not. Well, he had they had incredible actors on there too. It wasn't just musicians. They, yeah, I remember John John Cleese being on there. I mean, lots of people were on that show. Well, that's exactly so. You know what? This was a nice chance for us to uh, celebrate the life of Jim Henson and and uh, incredible guy, well, incredible genius. And so was his son. I mean, his son took over the Muppets after Jim passed away in in, in nineteen ninety, and his son died very young too, though, which is really sad. Now. Do you remember, I have a favorite, I love the Debbie Harry and uh, Kermit the Frog rainbow connection. I love that. I, I was just going to bring it up because I was looking at, I was thinking Debbie Harry doing Call Me, but I remember they did Rainbow Connection. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that's a, a great, great, great sketch. Now, this is new. Holy cow, I'm looking at your charts here. This is something you've never done, so you've topped yourself yet again. What do you got here? <laughs> well, before I do those charts, I just want to mention that in England, the Muppet Show TV album made number one. Oh, This nice. is how popular they were. And there was a single released off the album by Robin the Frog, who's Kermit's nephew, of course. A song called Halfway Up the Stairs, which I love by the way it's a beautiful song it features uh, it was based on an A.A. A. Milne poem um, but uh, and that made number seven in the UK chart so the, the, let me just say that the, in England the Muppets were a big big deal but I went Billboard top five kids videos for 1990 uh, May 16th 1990 <laughs> <laughs> T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were pretty big in well, the video they were, sales what three out of the top five hey <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles of kids' videos. <laughs> number yeah, number five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Hot Rodden. Number four is The Land Before Time. Great oh, movie. I remember that movie, yep. Beautiful film. Um, well, you were probably a kid when it came out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just teasing. Number three is, is you know, a, I still have PTSD from this movie. Sorry, I do. Bambi. Have you ever seen uh, that? This is, I'm taking a little diversion here off the road. I know where you're going. I you know, know where you're going. going. Have you ever seen the Bambi yeah. versus Godzilla little short that was made? It is. <laughs> it's, it is a work of freaking art. Yes, it is. <laughs> and if it wasn't, it's when the toes curl at the end after the credits. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is just an absolute brilliant little short and it is short yeah, it is short, short and it's all in black and white and yeah it's great i think they're pencil drawings or something yeah it's pencil um, yeah number two is teenage mutant ninja turtles with killer pizzas probably pizzas from la trust me on this one uh <laughs> and number one is teenage mutant ninja turtles cowabunga dude but interesting when i was looking at this chart in the billboard magazine i couldn't resist this on the self-help video <laughs> I don't find this giggly. Uh, the self-help video chart, number four is how to play bridge with Omar Sharif. <laughs> <laughs> that is so out there. <laughs> you want to talk random? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought I thought I might see Jane Fonda and all that stuff. No, no, Omar Sharif. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what? All this uh, kids' video talk is... Made me thirsty. I need a glass of water. But what do you say we take a quick uh, commercial break? Kool Aid. Do a Kool Aid, man. Kool Aid, man. <laughs> I'll look Kool-Aid. for a Kool Aid commercial. <laughs> Kool Aid, Kool Aid tastes great. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. Okay, we'll be right back. 
makes two quarts of Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, nine great flavors to drink you love. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, for the very best drink you ever made. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, be sure that the envelope says Kool-Aid. You can give your youngsters a lot of pleasure with Kool-Aid. You know it's pure and good. It has the Parents Magazine seal. And it's so thrifty. A five-cent package makes two full quarts. Just add Kool-Aid to water with ice. Add some sugar and stir. For the very best drink you ever made. Be sure that the envelope says Kool-Aid. And we are back in Los Angeles, May the 16th, 2000. And we were... You know, had of had we gone back a week or two, we would have been talking about the artist with no name, and of course, <laughs> I'm talking about Prince. And uh, something pretty monumental, though, happened on May the sixteenth, two thousand, and it meant that all of a sudden we could pronounce his name properly again. So, what happened? Well, he went back to using his name. Yeah, uh, at the termination of his contract at Warner Brothers. Um, Boy, you want to talk about a legal battle that just wouldn't go away, right? No, exactly. And that was fascinating to watch the whole thing because, uh, you know, he was using his platform to to try to coerce the label to just let me go, let me let me get out of this contract. And and he said it felt like uh, indentured servitude or even slavery, right? The way that he was tied to that contract. Well, he can't. He he used to write the word slave. Mm-hmm. Um, on his face. I mean, uh, yeah, I, think he I remember was, that. I think he was very clear how he felt with Warner Brothers and their contract. And uh, uh, what can you say? It was, a, it, but it it kind of didn't do him any favors because radio didn't know what to call him. The no, exactly. Symbol, and you know. remember how much ridicule he faced over that? Well, <laughs> okay. I full disclosure. I love Prince, and so I've got about. I've got a complete Prince collection. Is jazz stuff everything? I love Prince. Even I thought it was a bit out there to go with a name that you couldn't pronounce. It, it, it was. It was. If you want to have it as a logo, by all means. But he could have come up with a, a name of some kind. Um, because, listen, I worked in radio, and disc jockeys are notoriously lazy. And if you had to write out the artist formerly known as Prince on a log sheet, you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's what they would call him, right? Was the artist formerly known as Prince? Because that symbol was there even a pronunciation for that symbol? I don't. No, no, just a love symbol. I mean, it was just it's, people kind of found their own words for it. I mean, and and under that name, whatever he had some major hits. Still, I mean, he was still producing some some great albums, but you know, it was it was this fight with Warner Brothers, and, and a lot of the fight had to do with the money, but also the fact that Warner Brothers wouldn't release his stuff on his schedule. I mean, this is a guy that is prolific beyond, I don't think anyone, except for Zappa, maybe. Um, he just he just had so much of a back backlog of stuff that um, he wanted it out. So then they started releasing it. I mean, just it got, as a Prince collector and a fan, I remember the mid-90s just buying albums going, I don't know who this is. Oh, it's Prince. Okay, this is an album called Come because it was released or recorded before he was there. It just got so confusing. Tony, well, you know? and you remember uh, when he died, they couldn't believe that it was staggering the amount of unreleased material that he had. Yeah, yeah, and it's still coming out. Like I, I just bought an album before Christmas. Um, of all, like a, 
12 track 14 track album nothing had been released before and this is but the fourth album since he's passed away if i mean it's i i would love if you're hiring someone to to look at his um archives give me a call i'll gladly take on that job but um it more so than bowie i mean bowie's stuff is pretty well scraped clean there's very little left in the in the vaults but uh, mccartney's the same way you know when you look at the mccartney art mccartney's but he's been releasing stuff over the last 10 years and in box sets and such but prince never got around to it which is a shame but uh yeah it was it was weird and then when he went back in 2000 it was kind of like I don't want to say this to be mean, but it was kind of a shrug. People didn't really care about that. Did you feel that? Or am I being Yeah, I think so as well. And now, how do you feel uh, looking back on it now? Um, Did it hurt his legacy or do you think not really? Well, yeah, I think it did. I think it did hurt his a little bit because I think that it, it, he started involving politics of the industry and I don't think people wanted to deal with it. I think people are much happier. I'm talking in general. Mm-hmm. Um, people are much happier just to buy the records or go to the concert. What did you think? Did you think it did? Yeah, you know? I think it did hurt his legacy a bit. I almost feel like during that time when he was going by the symbol, he almost became a, a cartoon character, didn't he? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and he was with a new band. He left the revolution. And then he had the new power generation. Mm-hmm which um, I don't think was musically up to his standards, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you there. But uh, you've got an interesting chart here, and uh, so it looks like you picked the top five Prince sales. Uh, I, well, it's an easy guess what is number one, but uh, <laughs> let's go over that chart, shall we? Well, you know, I did this with Neil Diamond, and I, I find the numbers very sobering because mm-hmm. you think that they've... so Well, so number... The first album he released under that symbol, which we're going to call the love symbol on because I don't know what else to call it, it only, well, only, it sold 1.6 million. And I, you're going to understand why I say the word only in a minute, folks. Mm-hmm. Ba- Batman was number five. It sold 3.4 million. That, uh, very, that was a, a pretty high profile album for him, actually. Yeah. I love that album. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> I, I love Bat Dance. I love the future. Uh, love it. Um, the very best of Prince. I don't know why I put three point nine. It should be three point one. Very very best of Prince is three point one million. No, three point nine. That's right. Number three, nineteen ninety nine, which has sold four point nine million. I love that album, by the way. Oh, I put a song on the playlist called "Everyone." All the critics love you in New York, which I just love that song. Number two is another symbol album, "Diamonds and Pearls." It sold $5 million. That was a big album. Um, and number one, what do you think, Tony? What's your guess? Well, drum roll, please. But uh, I'm going to go with Purple Rain. At 25 million copies. Yeah. <laughs> so the next album from Purple Rain is one-fifth of the sales. Yeah, that's astounding. So it is astounding. But he, do you remember he followed Purple Rain with an album called Around the World in a Day? Yes, I do which had raspberry beret as a single but it was very psychedelic if i may say so the whole album it was mm-hmm. very un purple rain don't you think well yeah well he wasn't afraid to experiment at all no no, no. very very original okay did you know he wrote manic monday no 
Yeah, he went under a pseudonym named Christopher Tracy. Okay. And he wrote Manic Monday for the Bengals. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's so, hilarious. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And it's like, because you know he wrote Nothing Compares to You. Yeah, I knew that. Yep. Uh, and he actually gave that to a band called The Family long before Sinead O'Connor recorded it. Although I think Sinead's is the best version. Um, but yeah, he he wrote um, uh, Manic Monday. Which That's just Prince. seems so un-Prince-like. <laughs> I, I can't remember at the time of thinking, well, which one of the bangles is he sleeping with? No, well, no, yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I don't know about you, but I thought Susanna Hoffs was uh, yeah. a very attractive lady. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, nice eyes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so she's very attractive. Very yeah, attractive. Before we get into trouble here, it's we trouble. should uh, <laughs> we should jump to our Memphis to Merseyside <laughs> moment. This one's actually kind of cool. It's not, you know, a really big deal, but it kind of it ties Elvis and it ties the Beatles uh, together. So, and we get to go to Italy and have some pasta. So, let's Yay! go to uh, May sixteenth, two thousand and seven in a city called Parma, and we will be right back. So here we are in Italy, but, you know, I have to confess that uh, during the break, we were uh, chatting about uh, a little locker room talk, shall we say, about Susanna Hobbs. (laughs) But that was off air, so we're not going to get in trouble, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, edit, 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 edit. <laughs> so uh, we're here in Parma, Italy, and it is May the 16th, 2007. And this uh, this just shows why Italians are known for their good taste around the world. You know, besides the food, which Parma must have fantastic food. Um, but on May 16th, 2007, uh, they did something that's that's pretty cool, didn't they? I love this story. You go, go for it. You, I, I just love this. What can you say? It's just beautiful. So they decided to rename some of their streets. And uh, Italy, they named, uh, in Parma, they named streets after Elvis Presley and John Lennon, hence the reason why we chose us for our Memphis to Merseyside moment. But they also uh, tied in Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald. So... You know, the Italians, again, showing why they're so worldly. They went with rock and roll and they went with jazz. So very nice. So if I ever get to Parma, I am going to look for those streets, actually. I'm going to go one better. If I ever get to Parma, I'm stealing some street signs. Exactly. (laughs) Can you imagine having a John Lennon street sign? Oh, it would be like via John Lennon or whatever, right? Exactly. Tony, how about this? Uh, you hang a left on Elvis Presley Avenue, then you hang a right on Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, not the you know most monumental Memphis to Merseyside moment uh, that we've ever done, but a cool one. Just one of those ones that's a little bit out there, don't you think? You know, it's I like the I like the fact that so much happened on May sixteenth um, through so many decades, sixties, nineties, two thousands. And I, I kind of, I think once in a while we should do this, like a, a day in the life. Of, and it ties in with Sergeant Pepper, which was influenced by Pet Sounds. You see, it's all connected, folks. It's all connected. That's right. <laughs> we know what we're doing, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. I mean, I'm so sure about me. And on that note, well, you know what? I think we're, we're both doing a pretty good job of uh, tying this all together, eh? Hey, let's not forget. Have you ever heard, before we go, have you ever heard Prince do While My Guitar Gently Weeps? 
on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, that that's legendary. It is legendary. I, I see if I can put that on the playlist. Okay. Now I got a question for you before we go as well. Yeah. When he tosses the guitar, you know, at the end of the solo, when he throws the yeah. guitar up, who caught that? I have no idea. I've 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 watched that video clip so many times trying to figure out who actually caught it because I. I Good catch, though, don't you think? Oh, yeah, because he just tosses it straight up in the air. <laughs> uh, I, would have, I would have loved to have been at that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let me see if it's on Spotify, Tony. If I can add it, I'm going to add it, okay? Do you remember the grin on Danny Harrison's face when Prince oh, was well, taking that solo? Uh, how, if he wasn't grinning, I would take him to the hospital. Well, yeah, and the rest of the, the guys are just like, you know what, let's just let him go. <laughs> and, uh, well, what else are you going to do? I mean, you got this. I mean, it's a pretty, it's astounding. Listen, you got to admit, Prince is up there with Hendrix, all the great guitarists, oh, right? Yeah, without question. It was, it was a fantastic yeah. moment. That must have, must have been wonderful to be in the audience for that. I would have cried. I, I cry watching it. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Hey, I found it on Spotify, so it's on the list, man. Oh, great, great. Yeah, one of the truly great guitar solos. And on that note, folks, we are at the end of our road trip. And, uh, you know, just like to point out that all the music today was written by my good friend, Rick Denis. And what can we say about you, our listeners? We just appreciate everything you do in terms of sharing the show and commenting and giving us feedback and just tuning in to listen every week. We are so grateful, aren't we? 110%. And we, uh, I, you know what? I love the sharing on Facebook or any kind of social media and the comments. It really means the world to both of us. And you know, last week, Aaron, I kind of came up with a, a new sign-off, which I kind of I like. love it. I love I was hoping you're going to do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. So you know what? If the man is getting you down, just keep on rocking, and we will be in your headphones very soon. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>